Though I am not a Nietzsche fan and consider him pretty much of a ruling class, sycophant and coward, he did get one thing right with a very accurate soundbite description of our present reality. God is dead. Even if you are a believer and disagree that God is dead, he, she, it, or whatever is dead for any important practical purposes of political and legal power, because no one is allowed to invoke the authority of God as legal authority. No one is allowed to invoke the authority of God as legal authority in technological society, rule of law, or for any power other than perhaps aesthetics. One can be the most ardent believer in the Christian God and Christianity, but such will not allow one to stand up in Congress, Parliament, in any Western legislature, in the presidential or prime minister's office, or in any other source of political and legal power, and directly and explicitly invoke the Christian God as authority for any executive, legislative, or judicial commandment, or for anything called, called law. Such act of calling upon God will immediately discredit any executive, legislative, or judicial legal arguments one is making, even among Christians and Christian churches. In the West, there is a conceptual separation between church and state, in which churches and their religion and their canon law are separate from the state and its law and what is supposed to be an equal relationship of power, but which in reality actually makes churches and their law subservient to the state and its law. It is supposed to be an equal sharing of power, but it is not, as events of the past year have highlighted. Churches in the past year went to judges to ask permission to have religious services during government-mandated lockdowns and not the other way around. Such is the case for any social or cultural activity. If there is a conflict between church and state and technological society, the church, though in theory equal to the state and power, will follow secular law and thus in reality always loses out to the power of the state. Abortion is another big example of this reality. According to many believers and their religions, abortion is the murdering of infants. But it is legal and it will remain legal until the rule of law decides otherwise. Separation of church and state is a sound conceptual reality and the subservience of church to state in practical reality is a good thing in many ways. However, it does have one material and serious conceptual and real problem. All morality, making distinctions between good and evil, is and can only conceptually be founded upon authority, upon argument by authority. It cannot be based on any purely empirical or rational foundation. If God is dead, then all is allowed, as Nietzsche also concluded, along with many other religious and secular philosophers and writers have concluded, from Dostoevsky to Camus and many more. Once God is dead, then everything is allowed. The concepts of good and evil and morality die with God unless one finds a suitable replacement authority for the authority of God. Can something that must be based on authority, such as morality and the concepts of good and evil, exist without authority? No. As Voltaire said, if God did not exist, it would be necessary to invent him. The invention can be an empirical one or a conceptual one. That is, we can try to base morality on some part of empirical reality that is not dead. Or we can try to create it rationally as a product of, of our rational intellect, either through social or individual construction. 
The problem with inventing good and evil empirically based on what is or based on what exists is that there is no good or evil existing in empirical reality. Empirically, what is simply is. What is neither makes nor has any of the judgments of ultimate value of morality as to what ought to exist. Paraphrasing the, the philosopher Ludwig Wittgenstein, look at it as follows. Suppose you were an all-knowing person and therefore knew all the movements of all the bodies in the world, dead or alive, and that you also knew all the states of mind of all human beings that ever lived. And suppose that you could write in a book and describe everything that has been experienced and that you experience. Then this book that you write would contain the whole description of the world. And what would be in this book, what this book would contain is nothing that would call that one would call a moral judgment or anything that would imply such a judgment. It would, of course, contain all the relative judgments of value and of all scientific propositions of what could occur. And in fact, all true, true propositions can be written in this book. But all these descriptions are facts about the world as it is. They stand on the same level and they are all equal to each other as all, as all propositions stand on the same level. There are no propositions in this book which in any absolute sense are sublime, important, important or trivial, which is the whole purpose of morality, to state, to make judgments of ultimate value, of what ought to be, not of what is. Now, perhaps some of you will agree to that and be reminded of Hamlet's words, nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. But this again could lead to a misunderstanding. What Hamlet says seems to imply that good and bad, though not qualities of the world outside of us, are attributes to our states of mind. But what I mean is that a state of mind, so far as we can meet, mean by it that it is a fact which we can describe, is in no moral sense good or bad. If, for instance, in our world book we read the description of a murder with all the details, physical and psychological, and everything that can be experienced of that murder, the mere description of these facts will contain nothing which we could call an ethical or moral proposition. The murder will be on exactly the same level as any other event, for instance, the falling of a stone. Certainly, the reading of a description might cause us pain or rage or any other emotion. We might read about the pain or rage caused by this murder and other people when they've heard of it, but there will simply be facts and facts, but facts have no good or evil nor morality. Uh, that is the end of my paraphrasing of Wittgenstein. With God being dead, we cannot base the concepts of good and evil upon divine law. Without a loving God, the concept of natural law does not work either. We can examine any part of the universe you want, and nowhere in it will you find natural law to exist anything other than an aesthetic word game, social construct, or individual construct. If anything, the only natural law one can find to exist empirically is the law of survival of the fittest. But no one wants to use such a foundation for morality, except for those commonly called immoral or amoral, or perhaps nihilism. Reason or intellectual rationality also cannot be a replacement authority for a dead God, nor a substitute for authority for the power of God,
or of God's, especially of a loving God. Reason is only a tool for, for achieving one's goals. It must have an end game upon which to base its authority and not the other way around. It must begin, reasoning must begin with premises, either axioms or recursive reasoning, but does not require any particular premise or end game for reason to work. It can work with any premises. Want to murder and get away with it? Reason is your tool. Want to catch and punish murderers? Reason is your tool. Reason does not care which is which. As the philosopher David Hume stated, and I paraphrase, "'Tis not contrary to reason to prefer, destruction, to prefer the destruction of the whole world to the scratching of my finger. "'Tis not contrary to reason to choose my total destruction in order to prevent the least uneasiness of another person wholly unknown to me. "'Tis as little contrary to reason to prefer even my own acknowledged lesser good to my greater, or to have more affection for the former than the latter. A trivial good may, from certain circumstances, produce a desire superior to what arises from the greatest and most valuable enjoyment. Nor is there anything more extraordinary in this than in mechanics to see a one-pound weight raise up a hundred by the advantage of its situation." In short, as David Hume said, reason does not require one to be rational. If one knows the truth or knows the good, reason and even logic describe how one ought to think to preserve it. But neither reason nor logic gives us the truth nor the good, nor does it require that we ought to think that way. With the popularity of moral philosophers such as John Rawls, Trying to base morality upon reason is the popular fad among moralists in the West these days. Nice try, but it always fails. Funny thing about the libraries of books written by rationalists trying to replace the authority of God by the authority of reason as the foundation of authority for morality is that in none of the books will you ever find a a definitive answer to a moral question. Rational moralists talk abstractly and sometimes mention practical problems such as abortion or other moral concerns, but they never answer the moral questions. They always give both sides of the argument and simply conceptually discuss them. The answers are always relative to what the moralists, acting as a god, invented as the premises for their morality, and thus in the end are based on the authority of a human god replacement consisting of themselves for the old divine God. Thus, getting to the practical reality of God being dead. In order to avoid nihilism in the anarchy, the powers of technological society fear it would create. Though they proclaim the death of God, especially the death of the Christian God, what technological society has done, and what it must do, because there are no other options, is to grab onto the morality of religion, and especially of Christianity, because it has been working so successfully to create a more progressive world, while trashing the God aspect of this authority. So it grabs onto the verbiage of Christian morality, but trashes the God aspect of this moral authority. Concepts such as the Beatitudes, love your neighbor, the virtues of charity and empathy, hope for meaning in life, and all that purely religious pontification 
based on Christian divine law, are now taken and assumed as the foundation pontification of the rule of law, but without the authority of God foundation. Who is the replacement God invented by the rule of law as replacement for the dead God? The rule of law, of course. The rule of law is its own foundation. The rule of law is its own replacement authority for the death of God. The verbiage of religion without the God of religion. The big question is, is it possible to have Christianity without the Christ? I leave that question to you.